This is part one of the two-part episode entitled An Unleashed Tale of Terror, written by Aaron Robbins. Take a deeper step into the world of Mr. Eerie by becoming an Eerie enlistee. Subscribers will be assigned two exclusive training episodes a month, taken directly from Mr. Eerie's hard-to-keep-on-shelves field guide entitled The Empty Book of Everything. For just a few bucks, becoming an Eerie enlistee can keep you out of all sorts of yucks. Support independent, family-friendly audio by becoming an Eerie enlistee today. Welcome to Mr. Eerie's Mystery Series. My name is Edward Eerie, Chief Uncoverneer at Mr. Eerie's Disturbing Detective Agency. If you're experiencing something odd or unusual, give my agency a ring and leave a message on the machine. And now, for part one of another incredible encounter left on our machine. for selecting Mr. Eerie's Disturbing Detective Agency for your conundrum coaching needs. If you've become suspended in a giant blob of cranberry sauce and don't enjoy said sauce enough to eat your way out, please jiggle extension 1101 and one of our experts in unjamming jams and jellies would be glad to assist you. All others should leave a detailed account of your odd or unusual occurrence. Now, prepare yourself, for the beep waits for no one. Greetings, Mr. Erie. My name is Mr. Jason Barker. Jay, if you prefer. I don't believe we've been formally introduced, but I think you are quite familiar with my best friend. I was encouraged to leave you this message so others who are experiencing something similar may have your professional advice on how to handle these type of things. I suppose it's best to just relay the details of the unimaginable event as they happened. I was there for some of it, and that which I wasn't was explained to me perfectly by my grandson Ethan, and while I'm no detective I believe I did a good job archiving the event from his point of view. With that said, here is the account of what I consider to be an unleashed tale of some kind of terror. It was the cleanest truck Ethan Barker had ever ridden in. The quietest, too. As the twelve-year-old sat on the passenger side of the spotless bench seat, he marveled at how clean and smooth the vehicle was, given its age. The minivan his parents bought just three years ago had already become a mess of scratches and stains. But this truck was far older than that, and it was pristine. Do you know what year the truck is, Ethan asked the man at the wheel. The driver was Ethan's grandpa, called Grandpa Jay. And while Ethan didn't know just how old he was, he did know the man's hands, wrapped around the steering wheel, looked like they could bend steel. She's a 52, 
Grandpa Jay said. Nothing like a little summer vacation math, Ethan thought, as he tried to solve the subtraction problem in his head. Let's see, the current year goes on top in the year of the truck underneath. Unsure of his answer, but certain he shouldn't be doing math on vacation, Ethan gave up. So that would make it a... Ethan waited for his grandpa to fill in the pause with an answer. A lot older than you and a little younger than me, Grandpa Jay said with a laugh. Ethan smiled. It's clean, like it looks really good for how old it is. Ha! Grandpa Jay huffed. Me or the truck? Ethan chuckled. The truck, Grandpa. You've done a good job with it. If you take care of things right, then they'll take care of you, Grandpa Jay said. Ethan felt the gaze of his grandpa turn toward him. Was this comment a slight against Ethan? A jab, maybe? Ethan wondered how much Grandpa Jay knew about his trouble at school and the reason for the summer away from his so-called friends. Enough, thought Ethan. He probably knows enough. Wouldn't take me for the whole summer without some questions being asked. Ethan looked out the window, trying to hide some sense of shame, or maybe it was embarrassment. A second later, eyes still out the window, Ethan felt Grandpa Jay's hand on top of his head. The calloused skin rustled his hair with a playful ease. It's okay, said his grandpa. I got into some trouble, too, when I was your age. Ethan turned. Can you tell me? said Ethan, eager to rid himself of the unease. His grandpa laughed. Someday, Barker, someday. A few miles down the road, the passenger seat growled. Or more accurately, Ethan's stomach growled just above it. Hungry? asked Grandpa Jay. A little, said Ethan, if that's okay. Of course it's okay, his grandpa said, adding, I know just the place. The truck turned right onto a road that stretched out toward a group of trees in the distance, but before they got that far, the truck turned again. Ethan watched his grandpa slow the truck and muscle the wheel around into a left-hand turn. They bounced a little as the truck climbed up into a gravel parking lot where a wood shack came into view. There were other trucks parked around the perimeter and cars, too, but none of them, as nice as Grandpa Jay's. Smoke rose from the wood building like it was about to be set ablaze, but the delicious smell in the air said nobody was in danger. At least not from catching fire. We're here, said Grandpa Jay, opening the driver's side door. Ethan opened his door and slid down onto the ground. He looked at his surroundings and he was in a dirt parking lot. Folks in dirty ball hats and clean ones like cowboys wear sat at picnic benches or dangled their legs from tailgates. On the shack's main wall, a piece of plywood hung from chains attached to the roof. Hand-painted on it were the words, Patty's Pit Smoked, and below it, in cursive, it read, To Perfection. With quick steps, Ethan jogged to join his grandpa, who apparently didn't wait for his passengers when it came to barbecue. Together, the two Barkers walked into the fray of salty smoke looking for lunch. As they approached the building, a man who Ethan thought was about Grandpa Jay's age, but skinnier and with color still in his brows and slicked back hair, nodded in their direction. Afternoon, he said as Grandpa was close enough to hear it. Owen, Grandpa said back. The man, who Ethan supposed his grandpa knew, straightened his shirt, then left his hands to rest on a silver belt buckle. 
Who's your tag-along? the man asked. Ethan felt the glance of the man's eyes, even though the look lasted no more than a second. It was long enough for a middle schooler to pick up on. And the man's words meant more questions were likely to follow. What would Grandpa Jay say? Ethan didn't know, but he didn't want this aging man at the barbecue stand to know his business. Any of it. This is my grandson, said Grandpa Jay. He's from the city, so I doubt you'll have anything he'd like to hear. That so? asked the man. Besides, we were just about to fix on some turkey legs, so go do your hollering at someone else, Grandpa concluded with a harmless laugh. He's staying at your place? the man asked. That's right. Just for the summer, Grandpa Jay said, guiding Ethan past the man into the wooden shack. Inside the shack, it was dark and smoky. Some Christmas lights illuminated a chalkboard with food offerings on it. There was a bustle of people inside ordering and receiving food. Ethan lost track of his grandpa in the dense smoke. He looked around but didn't see him. He was going to call out but told himself not to. What are you trying to do, he said to himself. Announce to the whole town that this twelve-year-old baby is lost already. He moved to the side to let some patrons through and then stepped to the back of the shack. His grandpa was nowhere to be seen. Before he'd given the words approval to leave his mouth, he yelled, Grandpa! A turn of head signaled that he'd yelled too loud, or there were just a whole bunch of grandpas in the barbecue shack. Jay! Ethan shouted, thinking the name sounded weird coming from his mouth. A second later, Ethan felt a strong, warm hand on his shoulder. It's okay, I'm right here, just ordering. The two stepped outside to healthier air. As they waited for their number to come up, they sat on the truck's tailgate, and Ethan listened to a brief history of Patty's pit smoke to perfection. Once their number was called, Grandpa Jay got up and headed for the shack. You wait here. Be just a sec. Ethan waited, swinging his legs under the tailgate, being careful not to swing them too hard and put a dent in the bumper. Then a man approached. It was Owen, or whatever the man's name was that Grandpa had been talking to earlier. The man smiled at Ethan and tipped his hat. Have a good summer, little Barker, the man said. Ethan nodded and the man continued, you listen to your Grandpa. And you make sure you do everything he says. Ethan looked down, the smartest thing one can do when unsure what to say. The man walked off, then Ethan looked up and saw his Grandpa leaving the shack with a brown paper bag that looked like it was carrying the weight of a bowling ball. The doors to the truck slammed, and Ethan found himself holding the brown bag. It smelled like a dark, smoldering campfire of salt and meat. As the car pulled onto the road, Ethan looked at his grandpa. Who was that man? His grandpa paused for a moment. The talker? Ethan nodded. Owen Rigsby, Grandpa Jay said. He's an old-timer, works at Grease and Gas and Electric. Is he your friend? asked Ethan. Not hardly. He's just been here forever. Like me and like my daddy before me. Old-timers. That's what we are. Old-timers? Ethan said to himself, wondering if it was a good word or a bad one. It wasn't long before the aroma of Patty's pit smoked got the better of Ethan. He unwrapped the bag and opened it wide, letting the smell fill the cab. He heard a chuckle from the driver's seat. You think you're old enough to eat that in the truck? E you bet, said Ethan. You'll be careful? Won't let it drip or anything? I'll eat over the bag, said Ethan. That's what Mom tells me to do.
Well then, I'll be careful with mine and you be extra careful and over the bag with yours. Deal? asked Grandpa Jay. The two barkers drove down the road, ripping smoked meat from their legs and being extra careful not to spill an ounce on the truck. The trees at the end of the road grew bigger as the truck journeyed toward them. Soon shapes indicating a town came into view. Two-thirds of the way through a Patty's pit-smoked turkey leg, the truck turned away from the downtown area onto a country road with houses appearing once every bite or so. Ethan rested his turkey leg on the bag for a moment, rolling down the window to let some fresh air in. Just as he did, the truck went over a pothole, and the leg nearly fell off his lap onto the floor. Ethan caught it in the nick of time, then looked at his grandpa to see if he'd noticed. But Grandpa Jay's eyes weren't on Ethan. They were pointed forward, fixed on something down the road. There she is, Grandpa Jay said, directing Ethan's attention toward the front. The old Barker farmstead. Ethan looked up and in the distance saw a two-story house with wood panels holding a fresh-looking coat of paint. Small trees appeared as though they were just planted out front, and a power pole stood at the street's edge. Ethan thought the place looked nice, but hoped Grandpa Jay hadn't gone to a lot of work fixing it up just for his visit. Well, what do you think? Grandpa Jay asked as they approached the house. Ethan looked out the passenger side window. Next to the house was a desolate lot of land devoid of trees. Ethan wondered if it was good for playing in. There was certainly enough dirt to build a jump for his bike. He imagined his summer building a little dirt jump track, and it seemed like a fun way to pass the time out in the country. As Ethan pictured himself catching some considerable air, he felt something running down his chin. It's turkey juice, Ethan thought, his mind beginning to panic. He wanted to wipe it away, but both his hands were occupied, one holding the turkey leg and one holding a bag filled with turkey leg drippings. Without thinking, Ethan tossed his turkey leg, almost eaten to the bone, out of the window towards the empty lot. Then he buried his chin deep in his shoulder and caught the juice just before it dropped onto the seat. As the turkey leg bounced along the dirt next door to the Barker farmstead, a thin rustling sound could have been heard if the truck had been parked instead of moving. The rustle could have been a lot of things. A bit of newspaper blown from a library archive, streamers from bike handlebars, the work order papers for an electrical company doing some repairs in the area. In time, the rustle would be all these things. But on that day, as the old truck drove by the empty lot, as the bone from Ethan's turkey leg bounced along the dirt, the rustling was something else, something neither of the truck's occupants noticed. Instead of hearing the rustle, Ethan heard the sounds of his grandpa's voice, and it didn't sound happy. Ethan! Ethan looked at the seat, checking if he'd dropped any drips of turkey. Had he stained the truck? There was nothing in front of him, nothing between his legs or on the dash. I didn't spill, Grandpa, Ethan said, promise. I was being careful. With his elbow, Grandpa Jay pointed at Ethan's open window. You didn't spill, son. You threw trash out the window. Ethan, feeling relieved but not sure why, contested the criticism. But it was just a turkey leg. It's nature, right? Turkey legs don't go in empty lots, said Grandpa. They go in the trash. Sorry, Ethan said. I just didn't want to spill in the truck. Ethan watched the lot pass them and then his summer house come into view. I can just walk next door and get it, he said. I don't mind rooting around in the dirt for it. The truck came to an abrupt stop. Had it been going faster, it would have skidded and screeched. But as it was, 
All it did was make a whirring sound and lurch back and forth a bit. There was a moment of silence in the truck. Feeling brave enough to see how mad his grandpa was, Ethan looked over to the driver's seat. The aged hands resting on the steering wheel relaxed, and the man behind them looked at Ethan. We've got to have some ground rules if this is going to work, he said. Okay, Ethan replied. First, don't throw stuff from a moving vehicle. Doesn't matter if it's natural or not. Second, if we're going to get along, please put things back where they belong. Ethan looked at him, unsure why throwing a turkey leg from the car warranted such a reprimand. Got that? Yes, sir. Put things back where they belong. Correct. And the most important thing is, don't go into the empty lot for any reason. Don't walk on the sidewalk beside it. Don't play in the dirt. Town is in the other direction, so there's no reason for you to be anywhere near the lot. Ethan glanced out the window and turned his head back toward the lot. It was barren, save for a rock or two. A barbed wire fence enclosed it from which hung a faded yellow sign reading, Keep Out. Power lines sagged low over the lot, and Ethan wondered if someone walking on the street could jump up and touch them. Not that he would, he just pondered the possibility. You got all that? Grandpa Jay asked. I got it. Don't touch the truck, put things back, and don't go near the empty lot. Ethan felt the truck start moving, and he could tell by the gentle acceleration that Grandpa Jay wasn't mad. In fact, Ethan thought the look on his face said he was glad, or maybe relieved, or maybe it was neither. Maybe the truck's easy pace was because the driveway was just a few feet ahead. The truck pulled up to the Barker Farmstead driveway, and Grandpa Jay gave it a little gas to get it up the incline where the driveway met the street. Once parked, he said, I'm going to go get your room ready. You can handle your gear? Yep, no problem, Ethan replied. Ethan had brought along just two items, a duffel bag stuffed with clothes and the old green bike no one rode anymore. Take my old bike, his dad had said while Ethan was packing. Won't have to worry about getting it stolen, and he'd probably like to ride the old roads one last time. It was a little big for Ethan, but he was able to handle it just fine. Using all the strength in his arms and most of the muscles in his back, Ethan hoisted the bike from the truck bed. He maneuvered the bike carefully, ensuring the truck didn't get scratched. The back tire hit the driveway with a thud, causing the fenders and chain to rattle. As Ethan wheeled the bike toward the house, white handlebar streamers fluttered around his hands. They were the only real negative to the bike, something he'd decided when he first saw them. A little young or maybe old-fashioned for his tastes. He'd thought about pulling them out or cutting them off but he figured he'd have to explain why he did, and he hadn't come up with a suitable story that hid the plain truth that he was embarrassed by the streamers. It doesn't matter, Ethan said to himself, streamers or no streamers. This wasn't his hometown, so it's unlikely that anyone significant would notice him riding the bike. As Ethan walked the bike toward the house, he looked over at what he'd begun in his mind to call the Forbidden Lot. The sight of the yellow and black keep-out signs triggered his grandpa's words in his mind. Put things back where they go, and stay away from the empty lot. Ethan took a step closer to the forbidden lot and then another. The hub of his bike clicked as he edged toward the lot. The yellow signs were old and new, some were brightly colored, while others had faded like the paint on his bike. All the signs, Ethan observed, were attached to old fence posts, each held up by piles of rocks at their base. Put things back where they go, 
Ethan said out loud, looking at his bike. He'd planned on leaning it against the front of the house by the porch, but just then thought his grandpa might think bikes don't belong, leaned against a house. So he walked the old green machine to the side where a wheelbarrow was turned upward and resting against a shed. He parked the bike next to it and used the kickstand to keep it upright. Duffel bag slung over his shoulder, Ethan walked up the steps onto the porch. Beside the steps was a small wooden ramp. The sight of it made Ethan sad. His grandpa seemed mobile enough, but he'd seen ramps like this at other houses where the residents used walkers or wheelchairs. He preferred not to think about such things, and who knows, Ethan thought. Maybe the ramp is for moving supplies or appliances. He hoped the ramp was practical, but Grandpa Jay was old, and Ethan figured there were a good many things about the man that he didn't know. The front door resisted when Ethan tried to open it. He pushed on it some, and that popped it open with a little nudge. The door creaked open, revealing an old scent, like the antique stores his parents made him wander around in on weekends. It wasn't a bad smell, and Ethan knew in a week he wouldn't even notice it. Using a free leg, Ethan swung the front door closed. It made an unsatisfying thud as it hit the frame and then creaked back open. Ethan stepped backward and used his hips to press the door back into its frame but the door didn't fit nicely. Finally, with the duffel bag on the ground, Ethan addressed the door and tried to push it closed. Just then, he heard Grandpa Jay. Doors are like habits. Sometimes they stick when you don't want them to, Grandpa Jay said. Ethan nodded in agreement as he watched his grandpa demonstrate the move required to shut the door, one hand pushing well above the doorknob, one on the handle and a little hip bump. Ethan tried the maneuver and was met with the satisfying creak and thunk of the door closing. Did you get your bike settled? Grandpa Jay asked. Ethan nodded. It's next to the shed. Is that okay? Perfect. Without thought, Ethan voiced a question that had been on his mind since pulling up to the house. What's up with the empty lot? Is it abandoned? It doesn't have a tree or a foundation or anything on it. Grandpa Jay pondered and Ethan could tell he was doing the type of thinking adults do when they know the truth but don't know how to say it. It's mine, said Grandpa Jay. Part of the property, but trees don't grow well there. Trouble with the power company. They can't even get a pole up there to keep the line from drooping. Did you see it? Ethan nodded, and Grandpa Jay continued. The line can sway, so it's best to keep clear of it and the lot. Understand? This isn't a tale. There's no treasure buried there. Nothing so compelling that you should go looking. Ethan gave the kind of nod he did when his teachers over-explained something. Grandpa Jay offered a smile that acknowledged his own thoroughness. Sorry, pal, but there's plenty to explore downtown. A library, hardware store, the duck pond, and some nice hikes. We'll have a good summer. After unpacking his duffel and settling into his summer room, Ethan headed downstairs for dinner. Later, they retired to what Grandpa Jay called the main room. It was a comfortable space with a couch, two tables, and a recliner by the window. Grandpa Jay placed a book on the side table next to Ethan. Only thing to do after dark is read, he said, motioning towards a bookshelf brimming with thick, hardbound volumes. Ethan's eyes widened momentarily, but his grandpa paused, chuckled, and playfully ruffled Ethan's hair. I'm just teasing, 
Grandpa Jay said with a grin, opening a closet and wheeling out a TV that looked as ancient as Ethan's old bike. After plugging it in and tweaking the dials, a show flickered to life on the screen. As Grandpa Jay dozed in his chair by the window, Ethan considered changing the channel but chose not to. Sleepiness eventually claimed him as well. He switched off the TV and climbed the stairs to what would be his bedroom for the summer. The floor in Ethan's room was cold, and the bed was too, at least when first getting in it. As Ethan jostled amongst the covers, trying to decide if the bed was comfortable or not, he looked out the window into the dark night of this new area. There were no street lights to keep him up or to make him feel safe. Just as he was about to fall asleep, he felt like something in his stomach was missing. He wasn't hungry. He was homesick. Put things back where they belong. His grandfather's words floated through his head, and Ethan wondered if maybe he didn't belong here. He turned onto his side and closed his eyes, hoping the morning sun would calm his feelings. Minutes later, Ethan was asleep. Tap, tap, tap. Ethan stirred in his bed to the sound of rhythmic noise. Tap to tap tap. Ethan's eyes opened, but he didn't move. Every kid knows not to move when hearing strange noises in a strange room. Then the sound came again. Tap to tap tap. Ethan scanned the room. He didn't see anything unusual. It was dark, the moon providing minimal light. Deciding whatever was making the noise wasn't in his room, Ethan leaned forward in his bed, thinking it might be an animal outside. Tap, tap, tap. Ethan crept over to the window. He saw his grandpa's truck parked in the driveway and the power line wire hanging motionless in the still air. Then the wire swung like an exhausted jump rope, and then the tapping came again. It was coming from further away, perhaps downstairs. Ethan opened the window, letting in a gentle breeze. Moments later, the tapping sounded again thin and rustling like homework falling out of a backpack. Go get Grandpa, Ethan thought, but dismissed the idea as childish. What will I say I'm scared of tapping? It was probably a normal noise, something he'd get used to. Tap, tap, tap. The noise persisted. Trying to rationalize, Ethan told himself it might be a cord or brush hitting the house. But he couldn't ignore the sound, so he tiptoed out of his room to investigate. Reaching the bottom of the stairs, the tapping sound led him to the front door. A wave of relief washed over him. It's just the door settling, he reasoned, believing the breeze was causing the movement. It just needs a bit more force, Ethan said, pushing against the door. Maybe the chill of the night had caused the door frame to contract, but for some reason he couldn't get the door to close snugly. So he unlatched the lock and opened it a bit wider, thinking it might need a bit of momentum to shut tight. He was just about to give it a solid push when a flurry of leaves skittered in through the gap, fluttering around his ankles like butterflies at a dance. Ethan stepped out onto the porch to shake them off, but he didn't have to. The moment he moved outside, the breeze lifted the leaves, spiraling them away into the yard. Well, good riddance, Ethan muttered, ready to finally close the door. But then another sound caught his ear one he hadn't heard since earlier that day. It was the distinct rattle of his bike's fender. He glanced over toward the shed just in time to see the old green bike glide down the driveway, white streamers rustling, guided by nothing but the wind and a tumble of leaves. 
The bike wobbled, righted itself, and came to a standstill in the front yard, upright as if propped by its kickstand. Except the kickstand was retracted. Just as the streamer settled, the pedals creaked and the front wheel pivoted towards Ethan. Then, catching another gust, the bike surged forward. Leaves encircled its pedals and handlebars as the bike picked up speed, charging at Ethan. Would it hit the porch step, he wondered? Would it crash and break the rim? Ethan studied its trajectory and realized the bike wasn't aiming for him. It was aiming for the ramp. It was clear to see the leaves were twirling through the streamers, pulling the handlebars left and right, lining the tires up with the ramp. Ethan panicked. The bike was going to hit the ramp at such speed, it would launch off the end and into the house where it would run into and break who knows what. He acted fast, swinging the door shut, but it caught on the doorframe. He opened it slightly again, just as the bike neared the ramp, quickly placing one hand high on the door, one on the handle and with a hip bump. Ethan managed to shut and lock the door. A loud clank and deep thud echoed as the bike crashed into the front door. Ethan held the door shut, listening to the ticking of the bike's hub slow. Peering out the window, Ethan saw the bike overturned and its rear wheel spinning to a stop. Keen on investigating the damage caused by the joyriding bike, Ethan opened the front door. There, the bike lay on its side, wheels motionless, streamers dangling onto a porch that was scraped and marred with tire marks. Ethan turned to inspect the door. It was in better shape than he feared, but still, there were large scrapes cutting through the door's paint. With some reluctance, Ethan picked up the bike, half expecting it to take off again, but it didn't. As he stood there on the porch, Ethan realized he didn't know what to do with the two-wheeled menace. Bring it inside? Leave it on the porch? Take it back to the shed? What do you do with a bike that's just gone for a solo joyride? Do you point your finger at it, tell it it's a bad bike? Ethan laughed, even though there was nothing funny about the situation. As he thought about his options, the sound of heavy footsteps came from the stairs behind him. Ethan turned and found Grandpa Jay in his pajamas, staring at Ethan on the front porch holding up the bike that had just crashed into his house. The expression on Grandpa Jay's face confused Ethan. Where there should be signs of worry, the sort that would come before a kind, Are you all right? Ethan saw disappointment hiding faint anger. A cold shiver moved through Ethan as he began to see the situation the way Grandpa Jay did. The whole scene, everything about it, said Ethan had ridden the bike himself, tried to ride up the ramp, and crashed into the door. No, Grandpa, Ethan said. It's not what it looks like. The bike, Ethan continued, it hit the door. Grandpa Jay's eyes scanned the porch and the door. Well, that much is clear, son, Grandpa Jay said. The question is why you thought you belonged on a bike in the middle of the night. Ethan could tell this wasn't the time to explain himself. And even if it was, what would that explanation sound like? The bike rode itself into the door. Ethan was sure that would get him sent home or grounded for the summer. So he offered a simple and straightforward apology. Then he placed the handlebar in Grandpa's hands, climbed the stairs, and rolled into bed. It was cold under the sheets, but not as cold as it was on the porch. Hours later, Ethan awoke to the smell of what he thought was coffee and what he was sure was bacon. Not a bad way to start the day, he thought. Maybe Grandpa Jay had forgotten about the whole thing. Ethan hoped as much. But at breakfast, Grandpa Jay didn't talk. Ethan didn't think he was mad. He just didn't seem into talking. After a pancake and a few pieces of bacon, Ethan decided to speak up.
Sorry about last night, Ethan said. Grandpa Jay didn't respond. Instead, he picked up his plate and took it to the sink. I wasn't riding it, honest. It just ended up on the porch. Grandpa Jay turned toward him with a dish rag hanging from his hand. It's okay, he said. I locked it up. I should have yesterday. Things happen, accidents and whatnot, he added. You do the same now when you're done with it or in town. Lock it up. That way it can't go skidding off or get stolen. Ain't much theft around here, but still, you get the idea, yes? Ethan nodded and then asked about the door. Can I ask if the door, well, is it busted up good? Grandpa Jay grabbed a piece of bacon and began breaking off pieces, popping them into his mouth. No, he laughed. Might be fixed, actually. It's not sticking anymore, the darndest thing. Ethan let out a relieved laugh. Nicked it pretty good, though. You'll understand if I ask you to patch it up with paint? Grandpa Jay asked. Of course, said Ethan, glad his grandpa wasn't more upset. Yeah, no problem. I'm great at painting. Good. I've got some work to do out back after breakfast, and you'll paint the door. Not the whole thing unless you want to, just the scrapped-up parts. Got it, said Ethan, adding. And when I'm done, where should I put the painting supplies? Grandpa Jay smiled. Ethan knew he would. He felt it even before he asked the question. It was words a responsible person would say, and it let Grandpa know he respected him and his things. The shed by your bike will be fine. Make sure the lid is on tight. You got it, said Ethan. After breakfast, Grandpa Jay went out back to work on the yard, and Ethan went out onto the porch. The door seemed to fit in the jam much better now. On the porch, Ethan found a small paint can the size of a large coffee cup, but made of tin. A brush lay beside it, along with some old white rags. Ethan pried off the tin lid and dipped the brush into the paint. As he began repairing where his bike had scratched the door, he noticed thin, deliberate notches cut into the doorframe. There were dates, year numbers, etched above the marks. Ethan recognized them as height markers, and judging by the years, he figured they were probably Grandpa Jay's. He's lived in this house since he was a boy, Ethan thought. That's pretty impressive. Ethan also thought this explained why Grandpa Jay seemed to take things so seriously, and why he liked things being put back where they belonged. Near the lowest and earliest height mark, Ethan noticed another cut notch. This one said Baxter, but it didn't have a year. Several inches above it was another mark that also read Baxter. After that one, there were no more marks for that name. Ethan put his finger over the mark, feeling the cold groove in the wood. Just then, a breeze blew through his hair and he heard rustling behind him. He turned and saw leaves swirling around the front yard, almost as if they were chasing themselves. The breeze picked up and the leaves danced up the steps and around Ethan's legs. Get off me! Ethan shouted. The leaves twirled down the path into the yard, out into the street, and then back up the porch and around the rags. Go on, Ethan shouted. Get! But the leaves didn't listen. They swirled around his legs, and then, to Ethan's horror, the breeze and leaves picked up the can of red paint and carried it off the porch. Oh dear, I do apologize, but it seems our answering machine ran out of tape at this point in the message. Don't worry, the caller hears a brief message when this happens and is instructed to call back in just a few days with the remainder of the story. Who knows, maybe part two is available already. If not, you can expect it soon.
Thanks for your interest in our agency. We hope you'll tune in again sometime in the future. That's right. Tune in soon for the exciting conclusion of this message. And if you've enjoyed it so far and would like to keep independent detective agencies like ours happy and haunt-free, please leave a rating and share this show with everyone you know. If you are ready to take a deeper step into the world of Mr. Eerie, consider becoming an Eerie enlistee. Subscribers will be assigned at least two exclusive training episodes a month, taken from the hard-to-keep-on-shelves field guide entitled Mr. Eerie's Empty Book of Everything. Get ready for a roller coaster ride of sips and surprises that will leave you thirsty for more. Your career at the disturbing detective agency awaits. Accept the challenge today by subscribing as an eerie enlistee in the Apple Podcasting app. Thanks for listening, and as always, we wish you an undisturbing day. Mm-hmm.